0: that you would be healthy, that you would be protected. Most of all, they've prayed that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were baptized as an infant, your parents recognize that by virtue of you being born into a church family, a true believing family, the fact that you were born into a true believing family has with it a special blessing of being a part of God's people. And they vowed to raise you in the fear or the awe to be constantly amazed at the Almighty God. And they've vowed to teach you to walk in His ways. And if you were baptized in this church, not only did your parents vow to that publicly. But the congregation agreed to help wherever they could in that process. But even if that wasn't your experience, even if you're not a youth anymore, here you are today. And you need to think about where things started and where they will go. The author of Ecclesiastes comes to the reader with with a warning but also encouragement. The warning is this. Don't waste the days of your youth. Don't waste the days of your youth on frivolous, meaningless things that won't last. It doesn't mean that you can't have fun. Don't get the Bible wrong. But don't waste the precious faith that you've been taught from the very beginning. The author of Ecclesiastes, who is not named, I believe, is Solomon. And if you think about Solomon, he was blessed beyond blessing in so many ways. And yet he's looking back on his life and he's recognizing how he threw it all out the window to pursue things that would feed his flesh, to satisfy his flesh. He threw it all out the window and as he looks back at life and he looks at the way that He was looking at the world, forgetting about God. It was miserable. It was misery. And he wants the reader to avoid the same mistakes that he has made. And he wants the reader, especially the young ones, to remember their creator in the days of their youth and to never forget. So Solomon is especially qualified to both warn and encourage people. At the end here, it seems as though he's genuinely repentant, but he's got to be looking back on many years with regret. In a strange way, I find myself uniquely qualified to speak to this because in my own life, I wasn't raised with what we might call a gospel christian family but as a young teen i became aware of the truths of the gospel and actually believed but i spent the next number of years squandering throwing away that truth and living for the world god was gracious to me and turned my life around but i still look back on those years and think what a fool What a shame to squander those years. And so I feel like I have at least some credibility in saying to our young people, don't forget, remember remember your creator in the days of your youth. Have him on your mind all the time. Never forget the fact that you were made for him. You were made for him. If you were made for him, and I mean since you were made for him, and since he has spoken to you in his word, the first thing I encourage you to do is to learn. Learn what God has said to you. There's lots of things to learn in life, but above all, learn what it means to belong to God. Learn what it means that you were created for God's glory. It's it's why you exist. Learn what it means to be right with God through Jesus. Learn what it means to live a life of faith. It's all found in the Bible. It's all found in God's word. Psalm 119 says... 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word will give you insight and direction, wisdom for life. If you're very young and you haven't started reading yet, it is going to be your parents and your nursery school Sunday school teachers and then your elementary teachers that will be teaching you the word of God. Listen and learn. Your preacher as well. Listen and learn. As you learn to read, absorb God's word. Have it in your heart. I am not qualified to talk about the value of memorization. I have a terrible memory when it comes to memorizing scripture. But when you're young, that is the prime time to memorize God's word and to have it in your heart. Again, Psalm 119, this time verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So learn from God and keep going deeper and deeper. One of the saddest things I heard was from a teenage girl who was beginning to throw away the faith that she was taught as a child. And as she was starting to inform me that she was going in that direction, I asked her if she ever read the Bible, and she said, I read it once. I read it once. I know what's in there. But I urge you to stay in the Word. It's not like that. It doesn't just happen that you read it once and it's all good. The Word is living and active and will keep you focused on the things of God and will feed your soul. When you read God's word, there are some things that are difficult. There are some things that are crystal clear. But Whether they're difficult or crystal clear, remember that it's more than just getting information. You need to pray about what you're reading. You need to think about what you're reading. Ask questions. Dig deeper. Wrestle with God's truth. But when you wrestle with God's truth, always be prepared to surrender, to lose if you're fighting with God. You see, it's not for us whether to decide whether or not we like something in God's word, to decide what we like and what we don't like. But it's about finding out what God obviously wants us to know. And so gain wisdom. You will have no wisdom outside of the word of God. Maybe people have worldly wisdom, but you won't have wisdom unto salvation and you won't have wisdom unto life outside of the word of God. If you want to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22. I'm sorry, beginning in verse 20. Wonderful passages in Proverbs. A father speaking to his son. The bigger picture is safe to look at God speaking to his children. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Keep these things before your eyes. Keep godly wisdom always before you. If you study your word, you will gain a lot. True wisdom takes God's word and puts it into life. But that can't be all. You see, if you study God's word, you might actually become, at least in the eyes of the world, and maybe even in your own eyes, a good person. You might even make some great decisions in your life. Simply from the information and the wisdom that comes out of God's word, but it's got to be more than that. Because the ultimate thing is you need to be reconciled to God. God Himself tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you and me. And so I would suggest that while we're to study the whole Bible, the one thing that we're always to have an eye on is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because the lamp to your path, the light to your path, is ultimately going to lead you to the light of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. The straight way leads to the Lord. It's not just a matter of doing what's right and not doing what's wrong the path leads you to a person and that person is jesus christ so i'm not afraid to say to you according to what god's word says pursue that which is of utmost importance young as you might be pursue what is of the most important thing of all the thing that has to do with this life and the thing that has to do forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul makes it clear what is of utmost, utmost, most important importance. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then the twelve, and he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And he goes on in that vein. Of utmost importance is the gospel and what it has to do with you. And what it has to do with you being reconciled to God who is holy. It has everything to do with who Jesus is. Never leave Jesus as the most wonderful person in the world, He certainly is that was that when he walked the earth. There are some Sunday school classes, not in our church, that will teach you that Jesus was a very good person. Do what he does. What would Jesus do? There are churches that will teach you that Jesus was a very good teacher. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is so much more. So study the person of Jesus. Who is he? He is the eternal, everlasting son of God. But he came to earth, and so we need to understand the basic truth about the person of Jesus, that he is God, but that he's fully human too. For a young mind, how can you begin to understand something like that? I assure you that even as an old mind, it's hard to figure that one out. We can't. It's a mystery. But we do understand that the person of Jesus is God and man in one person. And then understand what he came to do. He came to bring people like us back into a relationship with God. And he was the only one who could do it. And, and how did he do it? If we are sinners, like we heard earlier, if we've all fallen short of the glory of God, how are we ever going to become friends with God again if he is without sin? It's through this one Jesus who came and lived a perfect life and then paid for sins on the cross so that whoever believes in him will be forgiven of their sins and made right with God. Faith in Jesus, understanding who he is according to the Bible and what he's done for sinners. The question, though, is, is it for you? So we're a church that believes in using catechisms We use the Westminster Catechisms and Confession. We have a children's catechism, but we also are friends to the Heidelberg Catechism, which is very familiar to most of you. The Heidelberg Catechism in question 21 asks this question, what is true faith? And this is where I want to go for our young people. Do you have true faith? You see, life in Jesus is not just about saying, I believe in Jesus. It's a very deep thing that has to do with everything that we are in the depths of our heart. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge. I know that it's true, whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. In other words, we trust and believe in the Bible. At the same time, it is a firm confidence And I am sure that I am sure in my heart of hearts, is what it's saying, that not only to others, not only to these adults in church, not only to these folks who get up and make a profession of faith, it's not only to those to me that look like Christians, not only to others, not only my parents, but also to me. God has granted forgiveness of sins. Everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace. In other words, he he just did it for us out of his love for us that we can never understand only for the sake of Christ's merit. We can never explain his love for us, but we see it in what he did by sending Jesus and what Jesus did for us. and Then this faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. Young people or people of any age, if you're struggling and saying, well, this is not the faith that I have, then I would suggest that you pray that the Holy Spirit would work in your life and open up your mind and your heart to see Jesus for who he is. Again, it's not only about being forgiven, it's about having him as king of our life. Living for him takes effort. And so you need to build on the things that he's given to you for your salvation. We call it the means of grace, and because of time, I'll make it rather short. You need to be in the word of God. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in worship. And when I say in worship, I just don't mean here, in here. You need to be participating in worship, doing worship. Looking at the sacraments, knowing what baptism means, knowing what the Lord's Supper means. Being in fellowship, being in church with the people of God. I would say that a means of grace, and it's not a formal thing, but but that your best companion should be Christians. Your truest friends are the ones who are going to build you up in your faith. And so learn from God, embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and live for Him. Two things here live cautiously. Guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Cherish the faith that you've been given and protect it. Be cautious, be on your guard. Doubts will come sometimes from your own heart and your own mind. Be aware that our minds can play tricks on us. There will be challenges from the people in your life. Sometimes acquaintances, sometimes even friends, so-called friends, can challenge you, can test you, can tempt you to move away from God and to do things that you shouldn't do. Sadly, sometimes family members will do that. That's all the more tragic. As you get into... School, especially college, you are going to be teachers and professors that will try to shape your mind. So be aware, but never forget also that the devil is always at work. So don't get caught off guard. Live cautiously, but also live courageously. Stand fast in the faith. Be bold with your faith. Do not fear. If God is for you, who can be against you? Don't be afraid to be bold with your faith. Well, there's lots to do in this life. There's places to go. There's people to meet. There's things to do. And we pray that you will have a full and blessed life. But never forget that this is just the beginning of a never-ending journey. Close with these words of the Lord's blessing. On you particular, you, are young people, our youths, but again, the whole congregation. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Give you peace forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do thank you so much for your mercy towards us, whether we've experienced your grace through Jesus Christ so early in our lives that we can hardly remember a time when we believed in you, or if we can remember a profound moment in which in our darkness you turned turned your light on You illuminated our souls through the work of your Holy Spirit and our lives dramatically changed. We are thankful because it's all of your grace. We know that each one of us is born in sin. But Lord, in your great mercy, you save sinners. So we thank you for that. We thank you for the work of Jesus Christ and we pray that we would fully embrace that for our very own. And we come to you in the name of Jesus the only Savior and Lord. Amen.